the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Jono. And I'm Perry. After more than 10 years of serving South Texas as Delightful Blinds, we've grown to serve you better. We changed our name to Delightful Decors. Blinds, shutters, floors, and more. And we invite you to our brand new showroom at 3009 and 35 in shirts. Without the big box environment and no beeping forklifts. But even after opening our new store, we still come to you. Delightful Decors is your cozy local mom and pop one-stop shop for all your installed foundational home decor projects. And we carry the top name brands of blinds, shades, drapery, and shutters. Check out our PowerView motorized treatments that allow you to operate your shades from your phone. And now, through April 14th, you can save $100 or more with our Hunter Douglas Energy Smart Style Savings Event. Get, Get delighted, delighted with, with Delightful, delightful Decor. Get And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. This is Soapy Dollar and my good friend Jacob. We're on the air talking to you about all things biblical. We make our way through the entire Bible, this old book, the old book uh, that has guided individuals and cultures and societies and thinking people forever because it talks about 
it talks about the the spiritual dimension. And for people who are interested in spirituality and in thinking and then thinking that we are spiritual beings as human beings and uh, look to, uh, to a, a realm to understand more about the spiritual dimension, this old book has shown itself to be extremely intriguing. It shows itself to be reliable, to, to be accurate. To There's some aspects of it that really think, makes us think that this comes... God himself has spoken. He has, he has revealed himself in and through uh, the events uh, told about, accurately and correctly told about in this old book. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing, an amazing book. And uh, I would add my own testimony to that. I've, I've come to believe that God indeed was acting and speaking, and he caused, he inspired this book, caused it to be written and to be correctly and accurately delivered to us through the centuries uh, so that he could reveal himself, so that those who desire a relationship with God and desire to be right with him, they can have that confident, secure relationship with him. They can know that that is a real possibility and that God, in fact, invites us into that kind of a love relationship, a mutual choice relationship with himself. So that's, that's the theme. That's the basic idea of the whole book from Genesis to the maps all the way to the end of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation. Uh, but we we go through the entire book every year. We're starting tonight, or this past week, uh, our reading schedule has led us through the book of Judges. This is Math, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Judges and Ruth, are, are Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. Well, we've already covered Joshua. Tonight we start this book about Judges, and we'll tell you, what are judges? What does that mean? Who are these people? I'll get Jacob to explain that, give us that background about the book itself in just a moment. Right now, though, should we go ahead, Jacob, and um, say hello? Hello. Oops, what happened? <laughs> say hello, Jacob. Uh, hello, Jacob. Good to hear from you, kiddo. Um, we are going to comment on Psalms 46 through 50. Those we read in our Wisdom and Worship segment. That's part of our, our Bible reading schedule. We read through the Psalms and the Proverbs. And then tonight, uh, this past week, we read Judges chapter 1 through 18. So we're going to ask you some questions, uh, hopefully some things you can answer and have fun answering and getting this knowledge. And then we'll just take your calls through the hour and a half, the next 90 minutes, and also give you some commentary and some of our own uh, experience, some of our own observations and lessons and things that we've learned as we've as we've studied and uh, and trusted and lived out. Uh, the, the the biblical message here. The book of Judges is very, very intriguing. Jacob, could you, do we want to put out some questions first and then maybe the commentary or the background? Uh, whatever you'd like to uh, Let's do. do that. Let's do that. Psalm 45, folks. Psalm 45 is a poem to the king. Uh, we Possibly King Solomon is who it is thought that it was written uh, about him or to honor him. But it was written on a, a very special occasion in King Solomon's life. What was the occasion? Psalm 45. If you look at verses 13 through 15, it makes it pretty clear and evident. So we're telling you, asking you the question and giving you where the answer is. If you want to look it up or if you think you already know, you can give us a call. 340-9585. 340-9585. That's our Bible Live call-in number. Now, what is... A messianic psalm, quote, unquote, messianic psalm. So people, we talk about that sometimes. You'll hear the preacher say, well, now this is a messianic psalm. What does that mean? What is a messianic psalm? And then uh, 
now let's go down to Psalm 49. We read 46 through 50. According to Psalm 49, there is one experience which no human being can avoid and after which all earthly accomplishments, wealth, fame, or influence mean absolutely nothing. In other words, it doesn't matter if you were a beggar or a rich man, if you were president of the United States or uh, a three-time loser in prison. It doesn't matter what who you are or what you are or what you become. There is one experience which no human being can avoid and after which all earthly accomplishments, be they good or evil or whatever, wealth, fame, or influence, don't mean anything. They don't, you know, they're, well, I guess they would mean something, though, wouldn't they, Jacob? Hmm. But what I mean is they don't buy you any, uh, they don't, you're not famous <laughs> after this particular experience. You're just another human being. What is that experience? All right, you can call in and give us an answer, 340 uh, Three four zero ninety five eighty. There you go. I, I have to remember, remember the number after fifteen years. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. All right. Those three questions from the Psalms, and Jacob has chosen a few questions from the Book of Judges. I guess I picked one. Right. I said. We'll do yours first. How old was was Joshua when he died? Now we read the Book of Joshua, uh, and and then now we're going into the Book of the Judges, but it records the death of Joshua, this leader of Israel after Moses died. And um, he lived a remarkable uh, long lifetime. How long? How old was Joshua when he died? You can look in Judges chapter 2, verse 8, if you want to find the answer. How old was Joshua when he died? All right, Jacob, go for it. Let's well, have some. Let's see here. Uh, you know, there are 12 judges in the book of Judges. Okay. Six very short, six pretty long. Does that mean six very tall and six very short? <laughs> it could, if you like. Sure. Okay. And uh, I'd like to, you did, uh, how old was Joshua, right? I did. Okay. Then on your number eight, how many judges are represented in the book of Judges? The answer to which you just told us. Well, let's see if anybody's listening. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. All right. He's told you, but let's see how close you can come to the answer. And then, how many like judges to, are presented I, I in the book of Judges? I've been pretty sick today. Uh-huh. And so I am uh, as disappointing or as happy as it may be for everybody. Uh, I am going to stay till 930, then I'm going to leave and leave it in your capable hands. It is totally disappointing, my yeah. friend, but I want you yeah, to see, get I'm well. I'm sitting here actually sweating, you know. I want you to get well. Um, I do. And so, do. But let's look. I'd like okay. to talk a little bit about 26, 27. 26 is, why was Israel's eighth, ju- eighth judge, Jephthah, chased from his home by his half-brothers? And 27 is probably one of the most talked about and difficult things in the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. What rash vow did Jephthah make that brought great sadness to his home? Answers in 12, 30, and 31. Okay, we're going to home in on this. Uh, I forget. He, he was the eighth judge, right? There, uh, there are, well, we won't tell you how many there are because it's one of our questions. Yes. How many judges are there in the book of Judges? We'll tell you again, for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a... Uh, uh, but why was Israel's eighth judge? I find him very intriguing, Jacob, because I was an orphan myself, and this guy evidently had a very kind of messed up family background. And 
Uh, so when you were asking about Messianic Psalms, uh-huh. I was thinking of a guy that was having cake and ice cream while he's writing the psalm. He's, it's very messy. He's got to clean it up. He's, yeah. he's not tidy. All right. But that's not the right answer, that's everyone. That's not the right so answer. You can't, can't follow Jacob's lead on that one. Why was the Israel's eighth judge? His name was Jephthah. How Chased from his home by his half-brothers. And it's a very in- interesting answer. It gives you a little... He's a very interesting guy. And, and as he gave leadership to the people of Israel, that's what these judges were all about. We're talking about this period of time, about, about 300, 350 years following the conquest or the, the, um, the, when the people of Israel went back into uh, the promised land, into the land of Canaan. It took about 25 years of, uh, about seven or eight years of, of out-and-out warfare, and then there were about 15 to 20 more years of of the individual tribes trying to conquer, trying to uh, pacify their particular part of the promised land, the individual tribes, and not all of them were successful, some more than others. And during this period of time, there was no central government there was simply uh, there were these enemies that came against the people of Israel, and a number of them were mentioned: uh, Philistines and and others, uh, different people groups. There, the these Canaanite nations or people groups, they came against the people of Israel and resisted and in, in fighting for their homelands and all, and uh, so they had to battle for uh, these years. And what would happen is they would come; the people of Israel would come under duress. They would be attacked. They would be. Uh, persecuted in some cases uh, the, uh, by other nations and then as a, as a, really i think sometimes we're given to think that it was in judgment for their sin for their wandering away from god and disobeying god's commands and then god would raise up a hero raise up a and these were called judges he would raise up a leader who would uh, in some cases inspire and lead positively and and well uh, there was one particular woman among the judges uh, who led in an in inspiring time, and the others were t- also inspiring. Some of them were uh, very human. They had human uh, weaknesses and frailties and mistakes and f- that they made. Now, Jephthah is one of them. He's the eighth of the judges, and uh, a very interesting background, family background and so on. Uh, it's interesting how he became the leader of Israel. And and then we're going to talk, we talked about what rash vow, what rash promise uh, that Jephthah make that brought great that brought great sadness to his home. It's one of the more well known stories, I think, perhaps in, in the book of the Judges, because it's so touching. Uh, but uh, you can tell what what promise did he make that brought sadness to his home? You'll find the answer in chapter twelve, verses thirty and thirty one. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions out there for you. One of which we actually already answered. Um, on the uh, on, in our opening, but uh, if you heard it and you want to call in with the answer, that's great too. We'll be glad to hear from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Give us a call. We'd like to hear your comments, your answers to these Bible questions. And meanwhile, I'm going to get Jacob to give us uh, a kind of the from the Hebrew perspective for this era, this time period after the time of uh, Joshua. Uh, during when, during the time when Joshua lived, it says uh, we're told in the in the scriptures that the people of Israel more or less followed after God faithfully. They tried to follow God. They obeyed the commands. They tried to, as a nation, we're not saying every individual of the nation, but it, that we're told that they they faithfully uh, followed after the Lord. But when 
when he died, when the leader died and passed, and they went on to these other period of time, uh, the book of Judges, to some degree, is kind of a, it's a difficult story. It's frustrating at times because it's a, it's it's also it's got a lot of failure in it. It's got a lot of difficulties and. Uh, maybe you can tell us about the book, the background, the Hebrew perspective of it there. Well, um, Judges, it's a shoftim uh, in Hebrew, like the shofar. Shoftim. Uh, hmm. And like a shofar. But here's the idea. If you go down through here, let's call this your graduation. Can I say that? Team, does that make it plural? Yes. Okay. Ah. Um, so let's say that this is your graduation test. Uh-huh. So you get... You, the judges, we all say, oh, isn't that bad? So I would like to ask, well, what is it that they violated? Do you know? And I have found that most people cannot tell you which one of the commandments is violated. However, in the book of Judges, they are all violated. It, are they all violated by the judges, or is it a, uh, this is, a, we're talking about all of the, the 613 commands, what is it, Leviticus? Is that right? Well, out of the five books. Out of the five books. The the, the 613 commands, 6 plus 1 is 7 and 3 makes 10. <laughs> That's interesting. I've always found that interesting that you give to us, that information. But are those are the, all of those commands broken by the judges themselves or yes. is this so by the people? So what is a judge supposed to do? He's supposed to rightly discern the commandments of God and apply them, right? Explain oh, them. That's a good answer. Them. That's a good answer. He is supposed to judge only. You know, over in the New Testament, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, right? Well, if you read the rest of that, what he's referring to is you don't make up the laws. God makes up the laws. So the book of Judges, if you start identifying, each one of them will violate some of God's laws. So to be a judge in Israel, you had to know God's laws. So let me ask again, though, did the judge disobey or break the law or was it? The people that, and he had to rightly judge and discern which law they were breaking. The judges are the prime example, and they lead people wrong because they did not follow and teach God's laws. And so what's happening is, now, if we criticize him, like one of the famous stories is when the one guy says, I'm going to kill the next thing that comes out of my front door. Well, what do you think is coming out of his front door? Don't tell you the answer because that's our... No, I won't. But the point is... He was never fit to be a judge in Israel because he didn't even know how to get out of what he had promised to do. But uh, the people Mm. that appointed him, they didn't know how to help him get out of that uh, rash vow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indeed, he didn't know how to get out of it. He is not judge material. And all of them are. So if I say to somebody, okay, right in the very first part of the book of Judges, what commandments are violated? It's, it, I'm going to say this is your graduation exam, let's say, from high school, college. What you're going to do is you have gone through the Torah, and if everything had gone 100% properly, there would not have to be any more books in the Bible after Joshua. So it, things did not go correctly. So what happened is if after you've gone through the Torah, if you have learned God's laws, and, uh, of course, you'll read Joshua, If you do that and you cannot tell me in each chapter, in each incident, which one of the laws is violated, no problem. You're just not a judge. So you got to go back and no problem. We start over again at Genesis. We start teaching you God's laws again. 
So as you go through it, you will learn. If you can't answer the question, if I ask, for example, the guy that says, until first thing comes out my front door, how come he didn't know how to take care of that? How come the people that appointed him didn't know how to handle it? It'll come more clear as you deal with the Yeah, answer. there are commandments that have to do with vows and with... Yes, but, right? but they didn't know. Okay. They're not fit to be the judges. Okay. And if I may say real quickly, because, you know, in the New, New Testament where Jesus is, mm-hmm. um, it says, uh, judge not lest you be judged. Then the second line is the key when he says, by what measure you judge, you shall be judged. What he's saying is you don't make up the laws. A judge of Israel must only use God's laws. Because if you make up your laws, the next guy after you, he's making up his. I am so glad you shared that with us, not only tonight, uh-huh. but before as well, because I had, a, uh, I had a young airman ask me that question today in the Bible study out at Lackland uh-huh. Air Force Base. He said, what is that? Because we use the word judge in another context. Yes. Uh, we were another, the word was used in another verse, and we were talking about something uh, an entirely different question. But he said, you know that word judge? He said, that kind of confuses me because, uh, I, you know, we know that famous verse, judge not to, unless you be judged. What does right. that mean? And so I was able because of that to, to explain that. Yeah, you can't it, make up your own laws. No, you can't make up your own you laws. You've got to use God's judge, laws. And if you can't, if we gave you the book of Judges as a test, no problem. Hmm. If you don't know, we'll just start over at Genesis and you'll begin learning. Well, I want to ask you a sample question with that idea in mind. Do each now you said that six of the judges are shorter in, in other words that their right. the story their right. story is shorter it, right. it, doesn't t- it doesn't tell us so much about their their the time in which they ruled right. or reigned or or they were used of God as a as a judge so if or, I pick one of the short ones I say look how little this is what commandment is violated that's what I was going to ask you I knew it was I could tell let's by take her. this first the, the first judge his uh, uh, to me I find him very interesting because uh, one of our Great heroes are Caleb and Joshua, these two men who who uh, they were one of the 12 spies that Moses had appointed to go in and check out the land. The first time that Israel approached the, the Canaan, the promised land, and they failed to go in because these 12 spies came back with a negative report. We can't do it. They're too big. We're like grasshoppers to them and so on. But Caleb and Joshua of the 12, they were the two that came back and said, you know, we can do it. We can win. God is with us. He, God has called us. He's going to give us the land. And so, therefore, Caleb and Joshua survived the 40-year time in the wilderness. And, and what does uh, Caleb's name mean? Caleb's name means loved one or caring one. All? Caring. All caring. No, all heart. All heart. I knew that. I, I knew, knew that. Know, I was trying to remember. You were just giving me a hard time. He's all heart. So that was Caleb. Well, now. Caleb, uh, and uh, they asked the question of how old was that? Yeah. Joshua. Uh, uh, how old was Joshua when he died? That's the first question. We're not talking and about that's Joshua. that's a key. How old was Moses? Same age? No. 120. Wa- 120. Joshua, 110. What we're watching is the slow d- downslide and the declining of the length of life. Because we're not doing what we're supposed to be, so it keeps getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, that is a phenomenon we observe in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures. Now, if you were paying attention, he just gave you the answer to one, how old was Joshua when he died? But I, I'll keep it out there. Let's see if somebody's listening and can give us that answer. But here's what my question is. Yes. Uh, Caleb's nephew, a young boy, uh, a young man named Othniel, was a, a warrior, a very successful warrior. He captured the Canaanite city of Kiriath-Sefer. 
uh, and uh, he won the right to marry uh, Caleb's daughter, Aksal. And so uh, Othniel married Aksal, and there's some stories about how he gave her a special inheritance and so on. Well, since I'm living at 9.30, may I jump ahead? The question is, when Oxal, the when Othniel, the first judge, was in power, what commands did he break? What commands did he well, not just break himself, but take judge? A chapter 1, uh-huh. verse 7. Adonai Bezek. What? He had taken 70 kings, cut off their thumbs and their big toes. Oh. Right? Uh-huh, okay. Okay, now. What did these guys do when they captured him? They did that back to him. What's wrong with that? It seems like such a... Not allowed to name people. Oh, okay. So that's that's the command. So you're not supposed to... When you go back and look at chapter uh, 1-1, you see Joshua... It says, God said, I will deliver the land. How does God deliver the land? How did he say it? I got, only because of the interest of time, I'll tell you. We'll come back and let it's, you know about that. It's Three, the breastplate. 340-9585. You can call in and join us. See you in a minute. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomlineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottomline Realty Advisors We get the landlord off your bottom line Thanks for listening. This is Michael Youssef. I'm Alistair Degg. This is Chuck Swindoll. Hi, Steve Brown of Key Life. This is John MacArthur with Grace to You. This is R.C. Sproul. This is Chuck Colson. Hello, everyone. This is James Dobson. Hi, this is Bob Lapine from Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. You're listening to The The Word Word in South Texas. AM 630. AM 630. AM 630. KSLR. 
Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. We are back. Thanks for joining us for The Bible Live. The quiz show tonight, we're looking at the book of Judges, chapters 1 through 18, and uh, just talking about these remarkable individuals that uh, were used in a period of time, 300, about 300 to 325 year period, I believe it was, in the time of the Judges. Um, the last judge was uh, Samson. He was a contemporary of uh, Samuel, who becomes the first. Samuel becomes a bridge between the time of the judges and on into the time of the kings. He's also a bridge from the time of the priests into the time of the prophets. Samuel, a remarkable individual, will, will go on from Joshua Judges and in the book of Ruth. And then we'll go back to the New Testament, pick up there, I believe it is in the Gospel of Luke, We'll uh, read the Gospel of Luke together in the New Testament in our reading schedule, and then we'll come back and pick up at First and Second Samuel. So that's uh, how we do. We kind of bounce back and forth. We alternate between the Old and the New uh, Scriptures, uh, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament, uh, recording the life of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, whom we believe to have been actually that long-promised, awaited uh, Redeemer, that Savior, and uh, uh, I won't use the other word because I've got a question out for you that lets you answer it if you'd like to. Uh, you can give us a call if you'd like, 340-9585. And they are, these are the questions that are out for you right now. And by the way, Jacob, it was uh, feeling uh, kind of bad in other weather, and we, we've really uh, convinced him, go on home, Jacob, take care of yourself. And so he he's... Uh, out away this evening, but uh, we'll be here to take your phone calls and talk about the, your questions and your your thoughts. Psalm 45 is a poem to the king, possibly King Solomon, it is thought. On what occasion was it in Solomon's life? What occasion was the Psalm 45 written? And then I asked the question, what is a messianic psalm? Sometimes you hear that terminology, uh, a psalm, you know, uh, 150 of them, and this, oh, this is a messianic psalm. What does that mean when your pre- when your preacher, your pastor uses that term, or or uh, someone talking? What is a messianic psalm? Uh, let's talk about that. And then another question is, according to Psalm 49, Psalm 49, there is an experience which no human being can avoid. After and after that experience, all earthly accomplishments. Wealth, fame, or influence mean nothing. Uh, they they don't influence. The, that's not the important thing after this particular experience. What is that experience that every human being faces? That every human being must uh, go through. Then there's a question: How old was Joshua when he died? That's a question from the Book of Judges. How old was Joshua? 
uh, uh, Moses' successor when he died. It's found in chapter 2, verse 8. Then why was Israel's eighth judge, his name was Jephthah, why was he chased from his home by his half-brothers? You look in chapter 11, verse 2. He is really one of the more, well, not more, I don't think, but he's a very interesting, of the, of the judges, he is a very interesting one, uh, no doubt about it. And by the way, the question is still out there, how many judges are presented in the book of Judges? Uh, Jephthah here was the eighth one mentioned. And then it, we ask the question, what was this rash, irresponsible promise or vow that Jephthah made that brought great sadness to his home. It's found in chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. If you know the answer to those questions, you can give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 340-9585. And, oh, we've lost our first caller. Paul was on the line, and I took time to repeat the questions for you, and we missed him. If Paul would like to call back, we'd love to visit with you. Take your answer, your thoughts. As we look at the book of Judges now, from the Hebrew Scriptures, from the Tanakh. Um, we're asking questions from those books and, of course, from the Psalms 46 through 50. Now, this time period, uh, I, I think to us as as New Testament believers, most of us uh, Gentiles, we don't have that rich linguistic, uh, cultural, kind of traditional understanding of the Scriptures. And so, uh, we usually just take it as we read it. We lift, we lift up our New American Standard Version of the Bible or our, our New Living Translation or the different versions that we need, New King James or whatever, and we read it, and it tells us this wonderful, powerful story uh, of the Scriptures of, that is outlined in them, uh, Old and the New Testaments. And we uh, we take the big picture. We think, wow, this what what is the big picture? What is the the total message of the Bible. And there is one fundamental, basic message. We call it God reveals himself and his plan for humanity. Why God created the human race and what is it all about and why are we here and what is really going on. And, and you know, above, you know, the spiritual dimension, the spiritual realm, what what is, what are we here for? And so uh, the... <laughs> There's a, the story of a guy who uh, gets older and he finally goes to his pastor and he says, I'm, I'm having a trouble with the hereafter. And the pastor says, what's your problem? He says, well, I keep walking to the room and I can't remember what I'm hereafter. Well, that is, that's a problem we all face as well. But the, the point is, is that we, we all have to wonder. We all ask, what is life all about? What is this meaning? Is there more to it than just what we see here? Well, that's the idea. That's the fundamental message of the Bible, it tells us uh, that there is a Creator, that there is a God, and that we were created, in fact, with a purpose. Uh, and uh, it tells us about that true and living God, and then it tells us about His purpose and how we can uh, walk into and experience the plan of God for our individual lives. And, and of course, we see also God, how God deals with people, individuals, couples, married couples, families. Uh, clans, uh, people groups, language groups, and so on, uh, societies, entire nations and people groups, we see God and his ways there reflected in the scriptures because uh, it's a work of revelation uh, that God has uh, given to us. So uh, as we look at the Bible, and as I said, we're in the book of Judges uh, these days. Uh, why do we believe the Bible? Why have people 
looked at this old book. I, I call it the old book for uh, 2,000 years now. We've had uh, now the the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, have lasted about 3,500 years. Uh, from the book of Genesis to Malachi through the prophets and so on. You have the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Then you have the books of history, starting with uh, 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 Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, books of history. And then you get into some books of poetry. Uh, the oldest book of the uh, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, is is the book of Job, which is considered a kind of a, a book of poetry, a story. Uh, and it carries the sen- where the sentiments of God's people are reflected and told about, uh, as well as their experiences. And then you Psalms and Proverbs and books of wisdom and so on. Uh, and then you go into the prophets, uh, the major, longer-living li- prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and others. And then, of course, the minor prophets, uh, called minor not because they were less important, but because their works, their the time of ministry was shorter. And the particular uh, record of their sermons and their messages was shorter. So uh, you, that's the book. That takes you through the 39 books of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures. And then there are, are there are I, I believe it's 400 years of silence, if I remember correctly, between the Testaments, between the book of Malachi, and then on to the, the Gospels, which pick up with the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth who claimed to be himself, by he claimed to be and was judged to be by those who followed him and knew him uh, according to the prophecies in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, or, uh, over 300 predictions about this Redeemer, this Savior, uh, and what he would be like if he would come to carry out the work of atonement, of, of salvation for mankind. This person is predicted and described and we have over 300 predictions. And, of course, in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, we, pr- we see all, all of those, every one of those predictions and prophecies fulfilled in his life, in his experiences. Or if they weren't experienced in that first uh, coming of the first visit, they are still there to be fulfilled uh, in what he promised would be his second coming. He would come again. And uh, those who follow Jesus uh, believe his word, that that is the plan of God, that he will indeed come again and fulfill those final actual predictions about this Savior, this Redeemer. So uh, uh, that kind of gives you a nutshell look at the old, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Tanakh, and the books. The first four books of the New Testament are the books of, that reflect and kind of describe to us the life of this individual, Jesus of Nazareth. And the evidence that the, these uh, authors, these writers found, three of them were Jewish. One was a Greek uh, uh, physician, actually. His name was Luke. And he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke, what we call the Gospel of Luke. And you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they give their reflection, their perspective of this this individual and their reasons why they believe that he indeed was and is today the uh, victorious, conquering uh Redeemer, Savior that God had promised from the very beginning, uh, and then you get on to the book of uh, the book of the Acts, which is a transition from the time and life of Jesus to the time of the, the when the followers of Jesus when the that message his message spread across the Roman Empire uh, like wildfire uh, and caught the imagination and the trust and the faith and the belief of millions of people even in that era across the 
the pagan cultures and so on. It offered hope and 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 uh, it offered clarity. And it offered sensibility and, and the true of a, a true message about the true and living God and how men men and women could be reconciled to Him and know Him. And then, of course, after the the Roman era, uh, the the temple was destroyed in seventy A.D., uh, which brought about another era of time and then we have basically the rest of the books of the new testament or letters that were written by uh mainly by this uh, converted rabbi jewish rabbi named saul of tarsus or his name became paul and uh, that we know him as and paul wrote letter he was a great first century missionary he wrote letters back to the congregations where he had helped to start and and lead others to faith uh, in the knowledge of the true and living God through through uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and he wrote letters back to them with instructions and guidance for them. As millions of Gentiles uh, came into, uh, essentially uh, came into the Hebrew faith, they they trusted the the Jewish God Jehovah. Uh, they trusted the the Jewish scriptures. They trusted the Jewish prophets and their messages and teaching, and they trusted in the the Jewish uh, Redeemer or Savior that had been prophesied and predicted. So they became uh, they became in reality, and it's what I would say even about us today. Those of us, I, I'm Native American. I'm full blooded Apache Indian, uh, but yet um, I am a follower of Jesus. Uh, I, I have indeed become, in fact, uh, I've I had a rabbi ask me one time, what religion do you consider yourself? And I, I'd say, when well, reality, the truth of the fact is that I've actually, I think I've really bought into the Jewish, uh, the Jewish faith. I've worshiped the God of Israel, uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I obey and trust the Hebrew, the uh, prophets, the, the Ten Commandments, the laws of God, the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, I take the instructions of, 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 of God's laws and commands and his prophets. And I, I look to their, their writings for guidance and understanding of God and his ways. And, and then I follow the, the Jewish redeemer savior that uh, I believe he was, he indeed who he claimed to be. And so uh, the fact is, frankly, folks, uh, w- we call ourselves Christians. They were that first term was first used uh, back in the New Testament times. We're told, uh, but we really have bought into the Jewish revelation, the Jewish message, uh, and actually, accurately, we are of the same religion Jesus of Nazareth was. Actually, in reality, now we understand, and I know that there has developed a religious system around uh, that. Uh, network of people around the followers of Jesus. It's called Christianity, and I understand that, and I know it's a, it's now considered a different, entirely different uh, religious system. But in reality, I, I, to, the truth be told, I, I think that uh, that is not the fact. It It's an unfortunate division, but it looks like, from what we read in the New Testament, uh, Paul described, he is a Jewish uh, uh, rabbi himself, he's a follower, and, and yet he tells us that it looks like, and his understanding of Scripture was that God has caused this breach, this separation, for his own reasons and causes during the time of harvest, as God is calling out a people for himself around the world, that um, this was a, a time when when the faith in the true and living God moved out of uh, Israel in the confines of uh, of religiosity and Judaism as a religion, and it moved to a worldwide movement. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, it's not a religious system in its core, in its essence. 
uh, what the entire Bible is about. It's not about religion. It's about the true and living God calling human beings like you and me all over the planet Earth, boys and girls, men and women, young people, couples, older couples, uh, large families, uh, human beings in every culture, every language group uh, around the world, uh, every generation throughout history, God is calling out a people for himself. Those that desire him, love him, want him, and, and, and truly desire him as to be their God. Uh, God has revealed himself, and they've, they respond to that level of revelation. Maybe it's just nature. Maybe it's just the stars in the sky. Maybe it's a, uh, the beauty of and power of nature and creation. We're told in Psalm 8 and Psalm 19 that those, God has revealed himself through nature and that people who respond to God's revelation of himself with a heart longing and faith and desire, genuine, God then applies the work of redemption, the full-blown work of redemption to their life, though they may not know about it. They don't, uh, you know, my my Native American ancestors that lived here 500 years ago, surely among them there were men and women, boys and girls, young people who who looked at the stars and saw the seasons go by and the beauty and the power of nature, and they longed for and worshipped and desired uh, and uh, and respected and revered and sought the true and living God, the God of creation. And they sought to be good and to honor God in their way of life. Uh, and uh, it is my belief, I think the, the book of Romans points this out to it, chapters 1 and 2, because Paul speaks to that question. What happened to people who never heard the message of the gospel? Well, they, the, the, there's only one redemptive message of God. There's only one good news, one redemptive plan. But it was, it was revealed progressively. In other words, we know more today. Uh, we know more of that total fulfilled redemptive plan of God because we have the record. We have this old book, the Bible. It tells us about it, and we've seen it f- fulfilled and carried out to its completion in time, in space, in history. That's what the book of the Bible is about. But those who lived in the Old Testament times before the revelation of the Redeemer, the Savior, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, then they they were responsible for the level of revelation that they had at that time, what God had given them in, in, that, in their era, what God revealed to each of them in, in their lives. And they were judged, each of us are judged on our response to what God shows us of himself. However, obviously, since we know more, we know more about God and his ways. We have the complete revelation of the plan and, and uh, the Redeemer, the Savior. We walk with a greater confidence. We have a greater potential for assurance and a confident, secure relationship with God. We have more insight into God's plan. We have more understanding about what's going on. Uh, and we have a greater completed record of the redemptive plan, not only through the life of, uh, of Jesus himself, but also through the times of, of the early uh, apostles and the, the time of, of Paul. We have their instructions and guidance to help us link uh, the, the, what we now know more about the redemptive plan of God because of the coming of the Savior, of Jesus. And he ex- then it explains more clearly to us, uh, gives us a clearer understanding of even the Tanakh, even the Hebrew Scriptures, now that the Redeemer, the Savior, has come. So we have a greater knowledge. We have a greater potential as uh, as believers today, a greater joy, a greater potential for joy and fulfillment because we, we know more. Uh, although I can tell you there were godly, wonderful people 
who knew God in a powerful ways and experienced him in very personal, powerful ways, who lived before the time uh, uh, of Jesus. And, of course, you can look at some of the great prophets uh, in that and for their insight. They knew things about God, that God revealed himself to them in a very, uh, not only objectively, studying because they had the scriptures and they had the record, the oral tradition, the history that came to them, but they knew God experientially, and God revealed things to them. He spoke and gave them guidance and insights, uh, uh, not foreign to the written word, of course, but uh, they understood, the, they studied God's word. They studied, they listened to the prophets, they and that's, that's where the prophets got their messages. That's where they got their prophecies. As they, as they looked at God's word and the redemptive plan of God, they were able to gain insight into what things would happen. And, and, of course, God gave him those insights. And we see that clearly in, oh, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the prophets in their le- at their level of, of insight. And then you see it also in, wow, a tremendous man of God, uh, that Hebrew prophet we know as Daniel, Ezekiel, and others. But Daniel was such a remarkable individual with tremendous insights about God, uh, even before the time of, uh, of Jesus, even the time before the Savior had come. He knew so much about what was going to happen. He understood and, and saw it clearly. And uh, really remarkable things that we see. And like I said, uh, we believe the scriptures are a self-revelation. Uh, old, the Tanakh uh, from Genesis, and I've kind of gone through that with you, Genesis through the book of Malachi, the last prophet. And then those 400 years of silence, uh, there are no prophets and uh, no new revelation. And then comes on the scene this one named John the Baptist who is a precursor he's a he's a he's a forerunner he was to come and he was predicted if you look in Isaiah chapter 40 and other places there was this it was predicted to us that before the redeemer came before the savior came there would come one who would prepare the way for him uh, a prophet who would come and prepare in in the in the uh, one who was in kind of the um, in the style of Elijah. And uh, so and Jesus himself told us that was, that was who John the Baptist was. He came and prepared the way for uh, the coming of, of the Savior, the Redeemer. And then we see uh, Jesus uh, under God's guidance and instruction as he, as he walked out faithfully the life of and the work. The, the, the Redeemer, the Savior, had a special work to carry through. I keep stumbling over a word because I have a question out there that we've asked you tonight, if you want to try to answer it, I've asked you the question, what is a messianic psalm? If you can give me the answer to that question, give me a call, 340-9585. And then Psalm 45, Psalm 45 is a poem in Hebrew written, uh, dedicated to the king. And, and we think possibly, most probably, it was King Solomon who was the uh, third king of Israel after Saul, King Saul, and then David, and then his son Solomon became king. And this poem, Psalm 45, was written, uh, dedicated to him. On what occasion, what was the special occasion in Solomon's life that is celebrated in Psalm 45? If you can answer the question, give us a call, 340-9585. And Psalm 45 is also considered to be a messianic psalm, and and I'm asking you the question: Why, when we say a psalm is messianic, what what does that mean? All right, and then Psalm 49. According to Psalm 49, 
there is an experience which no human being can avoid and after which all earthly accomplishments, wealth, fame, or influence mean nothing, absolutely nothing. In other words, it didn't matter if you're Barack Hussein Obama himself or, or Donald Trump or anybody. It doesn't matter who, how great, how small, how wonderful or how unwonderful you are. There is an experience that every human being must go through. It's unavoidable. And after which all earthly accomplishments mean nothing. What What is that experience? It's talked about in Psalm 49. Then we ask you these questions from the book of Judges. I'll probably, uh, I'll ask them now, but I'm going to begin to answer them a little bit one at a time, if you, in case there are listeners wanting to hear the answer. How old was Joshua when he died? Okay. We know that Moses was 120. So, you know, and, and Jacob gave us a clue when he left. It, it, it's a little less than uh, when Moses died. How old was Joshua when he died? And then, um, let's see, um, you know, I've always found uh, this question intriguing. The angel of the Lord in uh, Judges chapter 2, this is an unusual experience. The angel, maybe Jacob might even want to call back and help me with this question because I've always, it's always intrigued me. The angel of the Lord came to announce that since Israel had broken their part of the covenant, that the Lord would no longer enable them to drive out the pagan nations, that, in, that, he, that the covenant was indeed canceled, but he would instead use them as thorns. He would use those pagan nations in Canaan as thorns in the side to discipline or to train Israel, to discipline them and to call them back to himself. And that's what we see happening through the book of Judges. Uh, but what name did he give to that place where the angel came and to some degree canceled that that covenant that God had made with the people of Israel to, if they would obey him and follow him faithfully, that he would drive out the pagan nations. When they broke their side of the deal, this angel announced that God would no longer do that, but instead would use those pagan nations as thorns in their sides to discipline or train uh, Israel. And that's what we see the rest of the book about. What was the name given to that place where the angel appeared and gave that revelation to them. If you know the name, and I'll tell you where it's found. It's found in chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4, what was the name? You can give me the Hebrew name, or you can give the translated, the meaning of the Hebrew name to us. Uh, what was the name of that place where the where the angel delivered that? Now, jo Jacob already answered the question earlier, how many judges are Every word of in the book of Judges? He answered, there are 12. Uh, in the book of Judges. Twelve, uh, eleven men, one woman. Ten of them shorter uh, reigns of times and, and others longer in periods of time. So uh, that's the answer to that question. Then we have why, why was Israel's eighth judge named Jephthah? Uh, why was he uh, driven away by his half-brothers? And then... What rash vow did he make that brought sadness to his home? 340-340-9585. Don't go away. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Got the time and I'm wasting it slowly here in this moment.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. to life than just what we face and picture and experience here on this rock, this third rock from the sun called uh, planet Earth. That's uh, uh, what we're told and in the scriptures, that is the perspective taken and uh, that is what we, that God, that is described and, and revealed to us that there is more to life than just what we hear. There is a spiritual dimension. We indeed, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are spiritual creatures. We uh, we we look. <laughs> that's that, that the whole idea of morality, the whole idea of goodness and righteousness. It, you know, if we're just here and we come and go, and we're like the animals, we live and then die and don't exist and to go on. There's no reason or rationality necessarily for morality. For you know, why should I act this way? Or that? Why shouldn't I just do what I want when I want how I want it? Uh, there's no real reason, but the idea is that there we're going to be held accountable. There is uh, morality, there is righteousness, there is beauty, there is art. All of these things that are meaningless uh, unless there is a dimension, a, a reality beyond just simply what we see and hear now, our earthly experience. You may like a certain thing better than another, and you may think your idea for how to live is better than others. But uh, the the real question is, what if the, if there is a creator in the first place, that what does what does God say? What did, what is His plan? What does He reveal? And that's where uh, we come to the Bible. We believe that God has stepped into time and space, as I mentioned before, as we were going through the uh, the Tanakh, the, the Hebrew Hebrew word for the the what we call the Old Testament. The Old Testament doesn't mean less respect and and less importance by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it is as much a part of the Bible, God's word, God's revelation of himself as the new. They are just, as I said, there is one work of redemption. There's one revelation of himself that God has given, but it's a continual progressive revelation through many. Uh, the Bible was written over a period itself of 1400 years. It describes uh, a, a time period of probably 5000 years or more. Um, different times, different times of war, times of peace, times of uh, uh, different times and experiences as the people of God progress and grow as keeping alive the revelation of the one true living God, the uh, the idea of one God, monotheism, as opposed to uh, polytheism and many gods and, and just uh, Mars and, and, and all of the, these uh, Mercury, all these uh, uh, these mythical gods that were made up by the Greeks or later by the Ro- Romans, Gre- Greeks and then the Romans and then the Nordic gods and all these different th- people that made up uh, because they they intimated, they understood that they thought that, yeah, there is something more, but we don't know. So they would make up gods in their own image. Uh, and these mythical gods, whether it was the Romans or the Greeks or the Nordic gods and so on, they were just really kind of uh, uh, kind of super sized human beings with all the frailties and all the failures and all the moral failings and so on and limitations of human beings, but just but just kind of super. They threw thunderbolts out of their hands and so on. And uh, so they they had to say, so they were these made up gods. And that's why when when uh, when Jesus came, Jesus of Nazareth and claimed to be and gave evidence 
uh, real evidence to be that he indeed was that redeemer, that long-awaited Savior redeemer that is predicted in the in the Hebrew Scriptures. That's why that message, I, as I said, caught like wildfire across the Roman Empire. It, people were so hungry for God and for reality and for truth and for hope uh, about life and about afterlife that, wow, this finally there was a definitive word God himself has spoken and revealed and that men and women uh, who desired God, those who wanted to know God and love God and experience God in their life, they found a, a, a definitive word God himself had given. Now, it's not comprehensive. It doesn't tell us every single thing to answer to every single question we have, but it was clear that it's a true word. It's a true revelation that God has given of himself. And we know enough now in uh, here as human beings with the, with the word of the gospel and the li- the, with Jesus, uh, the Savior, the Redeemer, uh, we know enough that any of us, any of us that desire a relationship, to desire a confident, secure relationship with the Creator Himself, we can walk into, we can, by, by trusting in what God has said about Himself and the work that God has carried out in time and space uh, through the Redeemer, through the Messiah, uh, by faith and trust in Him, we, by faith we come into then that uh, we are reconciled with God. We become children of God in the in the redemption sense, not in the creation sense. We are redeemed. We've been purchased. We've been bought with a price, uh, and that we belong now to God. And not only in in time, in, in our lifetime that we live here, we are God's people. We walk with Him. We experience Him in our lives, uh, and we grow in learning and walking with Him. And He works in us to transform and change us, preparing us for for glory for eternity with him and with his people. And so and then even after uh that that life experience that we all must face, uh we, we find that we we will go to walk with him. Well we're gonna talk a little bit more. I, I'm kinda giving you a big big picture tonight. I'm I'm uh working without my, my partner Jacob we, with that giving us that Hebrew background and experience and um that that uh from from the language. You know the Bible uh, mainly the Hebrew scriptures are the Old Testament particularly written in Hebrew, written by Hebrew people, Jewish people in the main, mostly. And so if we ignore that culture, if we ignore that language, uh, it, it's a very difficult language Hebrew is. Now, it, it's uh, it's not as uh, definitive, it is not as detailed as perhaps Greek was or even English. Uh, English, one of the reasons it's becoming such a great language of our time, it's very detailed uh, and it, some of the uh, languages, is you go to Latin, if you go to French, or uh, si usted habla español, también va a ver que el, el español no es tan concreto, no es tan claro uh, como es el inglés. Hay much more, much, uh, mucho más uh, espacio para interpretación, para sentimientos, etc. And so uh, Spanish language, uh, 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 romantic languages, we call them, uh, uh, Spanish uh, um, Portuguese, um, French, and so on. Uh, th- th- those languages are less descriptive, less detailed than English as well. And you'll find when you speak Spanish, or you, you'll find there's a lot more freedom, or there's a lot more liberty, there's a lot more uh, pictures. It's a picturesque language that tells stories and tales and paint pictures with words, whereas English is, is it's a lot more detailed. It's why it's a good language of science. Uh, and, and the era in which we live. So um, the Hebrew is, is like that. And so it's, it's, uh, we've, we've gotten the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, 
uh, we've had them. We have them faithfully. We've had uh, and we judge them. We and and for example, I was going to ask you this question earlier. Let me let me go through the questions that I have out there on the air that you can answer. If if you're listening tonight and want to call and answer, uh, I'll answer some of these questions. Psalm 45 is a poem to the king, possibly King Solomon, on what occasion, and it was the occasion of Solomon's wedding. Uh, he, he was married, uh, perhaps even to the Shunammite woman we read about uh, that Solomon uh, describes in the book, of, uh, I believe it's the, the Song of Solomon, the wedding song. And so uh, it was his wedding, the marriage of King Solomon. Of course, you know he married many, many women, 400 or so, over 1,000 wives and concubines. Uh, so, you know, this man did not. Th- there's one law of God, a commandment, that clearly was uh, broken by even this king of Israel. But what is a messianic psalm? I've been dancing around the word all evening, Messiah, Redeemer, Savior. A Messiah is a a, a deliverer, a hero, a, a, a one who redeems and saves. And in the Old Testament records there were other messiahs with a small m, people who were used by God in a given time to redeem and save, preserve Israel. Uh, even uh, one pagan king uh, was called, uh, given the, the called Messiah once because he, by his decree that Israel could return to the promised land, he was called a, a, a Messiah and, uh, and with a little M. But there is one Messiah, one Savior, Redeemer, hero that is spoken of throughout the Scriptures, starting in Genesis all the way, like I said, over 300 predictions. And that is the Messiah that Jesus of Nazareth claimed to be that Messiah, that Savior, that Redeemer. Uh, so what is a Messianic psalm? It is a psalm that tells us something of the future Messiah's person or work. It's predictive. It tells us something about the Messiah, who we would be, what he would be like, uh, something about his life and life experience. So you can uh, count that question out. Uh, I'll answer those two for you from the Psalms. And then I'll answer this one. According to Psalm 49, there is an experience which no human being can avoid and after which all earthly accomplishments mean nothing. I'll keep that one out there because we have a listener on the line. And let's go to line one there, I believe it is. And let's visit with Harold, who has called in to be a part of the program. Hi, Harold. How are you tonight? Hello, Sobe. Good to hear you. How are you doing? Thanks for calling in. Uh, uh, you can't say hi to Jacob tonight. He's not feeling a little under the weather, but I think he's probably listening if you wanted to say hi. But we're glad to hear from you. Uh, what's on your mind? No, no. Well, okay, I'm just, uh, well, I'm kind of under the weather, too, but I'm still working. Uh, I don't mean that he's not working there. I just I meant you. I'm still working at work. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I'm Joseph in that pit, but I just keep looking up, you know. That's right. And That's I guess right. the Lord will see me one of these days and put me in a better place. I don't mean heaven. That's what happens, you know, I just yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I had some blood test done a few months ago and uh i was supposed to get the results and well they can't find out what type of neuropathy i have and so they took some other blood tests next uh last monday and they're going to send these around the united states to find i guess different hospitals to find out you know it's nothing totally serious but uh it's not from diabetes or drinking or smoking or anything else so Uh it must be from being good. 
Uh, yeah. It's an unusual case. Yes, yes, it is. It's kind of a. He said he wants to be the one to find out what type I have. Yeah. And it's, you know, it just works on my mind. I feel like I'm working myself in the ground. I was, I stay extra busy. You know, I don't know if you know or not, but I spend about four or five hours a week at Barnes and Nobles, and I read the Bible there, and I look up verses. I hmm. I get ready Very for the show. You know, you know, for you and and uh, you know to try to answer these um, these questions or just ask them thoughts of my own, and I'm always running into people, and there's a few people there, too. There was two people, for sure, that had their own Bible there, and uh, and I also noticed that they're selling the biblical archaeological magazine there now. Oh, that we talked about, Bar, uh, a biblical Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, because I checked at Christmas time, and they didn't have it. I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but I asked them. I asked them. You know, it sure would be nice if you had this one, that one out on 1604, and uh, I just go to one there on, on uh, San Pedro. Uh-huh. I shouldn't say just, because I I really like that place. Sure. Uh, I did buy me a cushion, though, this afternoon for the seat. You bought <laughs> your chair what? Cushion. Chair cushion. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that keeps moving around, because it's kind of hard. Uh, Harold, you are, you are one of a kind, no doubt about it, and... I really do pray uh, that you will get better and get well. Uh, don't be discouraged or despondent or depressed. Uh, don't let uh, uh, don't let that take a hold in your mind. Remember that uh, we're the people of God. We, our, you know, our Savior is going to return. We could any time we want, any time He wants and desires. We could look forward to that with hope, and we know that uh, we know. You know, I, and I'm not preaching at you, brother. I, I know. No, you I, can preach all you want. I wish he would return and touch me a little bit. It amen. wouldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we that's all, what I'm We all about, wonder, you know? we all, we look at our mortality at times. We all experience that and wonder about it. And sometimes it brings fear and anxiety. But remember that it's true. What we're talking about, Harold, is not just theory. It's not some fairy tale. It's true. Theological yeah. stuff. Yeah, I know it's Jesus true. Jesus the Messiah, he came out of that grave. He came out of that tomb. And he has, mm-hmm. and because he has, we will. So uh, it's really mm-hmm. important that we understand that the things we're talking about in the Bible aren't just you know kind of religious ideas and thoughts. These are true. Oh, no. God is revealed. And we, we can take hope from them. They will shape. They will give you hope yeah. and, 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 and delight joy even as we fight even the diff, stiffest uh, trials and, and tribulations yeah. of life I, I just want to encourage you brother I, i'm praying for you Harold. i appreciate it a lot and you i'm so glad you're there at night you're you're like the moses at night you know <laughs> running by the air to all these people and you know you keep hanging in there you never give up and i know you're human too yeah but i i still i'm sure other people do depend on on this hour and a half you know and don't forget, I was also adopted at Antioch Baptist Church, so that helps out a lot too. Oh, that, I try to get over there on Wednesday night, you know, you know, for their Bible for study. Let me pray for you, Harold. All right, Amen. Lord, okay, I do ahead. thank you for this night. I thank you for Harold. He's a good friend and a loyal listener, and he's been an encouragement to the program a long time. And I just pray for his health now that you'd you'd touch his life and work in him to let the life of the Lord come through him and energize his mind and heart and his physical body, body, soul, and spirit. And so, Lord, I do ask you to do that in, in, in the name of our Savior. And you've said whatever we ask in your name, seeking your will, and, and, and I do. I ask that in Jesus' name. I ask you. And you've given us the right and privilege to ask. We don't command, and we, don't, we can't 
put you in a box and demand what you do, but you've given us the privilege of asking. And so I ask in favor of my brother that you would bring healing and encouragement and strength to his life. And, uh, and thank you for him. And there are other people out tonight also, Lord, that are struggling, that are that are despondent. They're discouraged. I, I, I don't know, maybe from health issues, maybe from finances, maybe relationships that they're facing difficulty and stress, uh, young and old and, and so on. Um, all kinds of uh, of human dilemmas and, and situations, Lord. I pray that that those who are under duress that they would look to you, as 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 Harold said earlier on, that when they find themselves in the pit, well, there's only one way to look, and that's up. And they would look up to you, and they would find hope and encouragement in your message, in your redemptive plan that you have. You love them, that you love us, Lord. You love each and every person listening tonight. You care about them. You desire that relationship with them. Uh, here, while we're here on planet Earth and into eternity. So, Lord, I just pray for all of those who are struggling, all of those who in some way are, are desperate or maybe despondent or depressed, that you would, you would touch them and by your Spirit draw them to yourself and help them, Lord, to, to come into that, that confident, secure relationship with you that brings hope, that brings joy, that brings solutions uh, in their life. Because they're, but because it's true. Not because it's a made-up story, but because you're truly the God who is there and that you will work in their lives. So, Lord, I, get, I pray for that in Harold's case and for our listeners all across South Texas. Lord, bring that revival and that, that surge of faith and trust in you that brings new life to our community, to our city, to our area, Lord. We pray that in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, by his merits, by his worthiness, not because we're worthy or we deserve it, but by his mercy and by his merits, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Harold, for calling in. I'm sure glad you're out there tonight. Thanks, Obi. You bet. Glad to hear from Harold. You can give us a call, 340-9585, if you'd like. And I wanted to do that. We, we've talked about the redemptive plan of God uh, through the Old and New Testaments and how uh, Jesus came, then the Messiah came, and he carried out that redemptive plan. Uh, let me uh, let me answer the rest of our questions. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a little bit of knowledge across the board about the Scriptures uh, and their message and what it means to us. Uh, and then I'm going to go and answer the rest of the questions that we have out tonight. If you've heard a question and you wanted to call in and answer it and comment, give a, a, an idea or a thought about the Bible or about this idea of God and the relationship with God. If you have a question about the Bible or about what it means to know and follow the true and living God and know Him and experience Him, uh, about the, uh, Jesus, the life of Jesus, Messiah. So you can call and ask any question you'd like, and we'll try to help with it. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, a big Bible answer man or anything, but I've been ministering the gospel many, many years of our lives, many decades now, and uh, helping men and women come to know and come into that walk, that secure, confident relationship with God. Here in many countries of the world and nations, it's been our privilege uh, to be uh, serving the Lord in that way. And I'll be glad to hear your question, your thought, your uh, you're maybe concerned about or maybe even your comment about what it means to you to know the Lord. And, and uh, we we just love to hear from our listeners. Three, four, zero, ninety five, eighty five. In life, in case you'd like to call in, uh, we have five, maybe five or six minutes left in the broadcast. I wanted to tell you what what was the Messiah all about? What it, what was it that God is carrying out through the Redeemer? The first promise of the Redeemer is found uh, the first clear specific promise uh uh the many of the uh, many of the 
predictions and prophecies about Messiah are not just verbal, clear. He is going to be like this. He's going to be the, the righteous branch. He's going to do this. He's going to live like this. He's going to and so on. Uh, some of the predictions are specific like that, but some, uh, a lot of the predictions are pictures, word pictures that we have. The, the tabernacle in the Old Testament was the picture of God's redemptive plan and the Savior through the sacrificial system of the Hebrew Scriptures. You know, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the, in referring to the, the Lamb, the atonement Lamb, the atoning Lamb, uh, and, and the, the, the sacrificial system of, uh, that the Hebrews used in the, in the uh, were led by God to use. So there are pictures as well of the Messiah that we see. Now, what was the work of the Messiah? Why, why did he came? He came to do what Adam failed to do. Adam, as a man, truly and entirely and wholly a human being, uh, uh, finite, limited, uh, it, it was to live in a confident, a total trust, a total uh, 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 submitting and a submission to the God and the following and obeying God. He, he was to live that kind of relationship with God and enjoyed that relationship with God until sin entered the picture. Then uh, Adam and Eve, in Adam and Eve, the whole human race fell under the consequences uh, of sin, under ju- the judgment of sin, which is the, the soul that sins, he shall die, we're told in the Hebrew Scriptures. The wages of sin is death, we're told in the New Testament. The, 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 the cost of sin was that we became separated from the true and living God, who is our life. Uh, our spiritual life. And so the whole human race fell under the condemnation of sin and judgment. But then God, before even the foundation of the world, his redemptive plan was that he was going to send a redeemer so that when mankind sinned, if it was Adam and Eve or if it later at all, whenever there would be some human beings who would fall to sin, there would be a choice still, a, an option left for them. In other words, we still have, just like Adam had the choice could he walk in a relationship, a confident relationship, secure relationship with the Creator, with God Himself, or would he fall? Would he fail? Would he disobey God? He had that choice to make. He could choose God or choose not God. And today we still have that same choice to make. You can choose God or you can choose to reject God. And the reason we have that choice is because uh, uh, Jesus, the Redeemer, has made it possible even for sinful, fallen human beings now to choose the relationship with God, because he came to carry out the atonement. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The eternal Son of God, the the one of the, the persons of the triune, the, the, the Godhead that is described in the Bible, uh, three distinct persons, the Father, we know them now, as Messiah has taught us in the New Testament, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, uh, those titles that we use because God gave the souls to to give us an idea of his redemptive plan and, and how it would work, uh, those those names are given to us. But the three persons of the Godhead, uh, they uh, one true and living God. They're perfectly one in their love for each other, in their character, in their purpose, the design, their intent, and in their action. So they, we know them as one true and living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. We're not polytheists. We're monotheists because they are truly one, a miracle of relationship. Truly one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Three distinct persons, but one in love, in character, in intent, and in action. Truly, we can know them accurately and truly as one true and living God. Well, the, the second person of the Godhead took on flesh. We call it the incarnation. 
He became a man. You look in Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, look in Philippians chapter 2. Paul describes what it was like. And for Jesus to earn the right to be our Redeemer, our Savior, he had to live out the full total life of a human being. From the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he breathed his last breath on that cross and resurrected, he was indeed a man. Uh, he did not act on his own initiative and prerogative. He didn't do his miracles. He didn't his teaching. He, none of that came from his own initiative and prerogative as God. He had to live out a life of total uh, submission and trust and dependence on the Father, perfect life of a human being, a life of trust and dependence and faith and submission to the will of the Father, obedience to the Father. Then he who knew no, no sin of his own to pay for, he became the atonement lamb. He took our sin upon himself. That's the story of redemption from Old to New Testaments. Uh, the Old Testament looked forward to Messiah. The New Testament looks back at this wonderful individual, God who took on flesh and gave his life to purchase, to redeem our salvation. That's the story of the Bible. See you next week, folks, on Here on the Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.